0: Mind Over Movies in the morning nights. This is a new spinoff show. You know, we usually record our episodes in the morning in broad daylight so people can see our mild-mannered selves. Yeah, but drinking the coffee. The After Hours Mind Over Movies? Yeah. It's a whole we different not We don't drink coffee. No. No, sir. No. no. It's a whole different. It's like HBO After Hours. <laughs> We've got...
1: We've got all kinds of freaky stuff going on. We got we got nicotine fiends and uh, <sighs> apparently Game of Thrones watchers in the living room.
0: Oh my god, dude, that's crazy! I, yeah. I've got all kinds of shady characters in my apartment. I've got, um, well, actually, I just heard <laughs> my neighbor um, loudly banging on the door, being like, "Let me in." <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's okay. <laughs> Genuine concern, actually, right now. On my note. right now for Genuine. my neighbor. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the weird things when I'm recording is I can usually hear the upstairs neighbors stomping around. They're always going, boom, 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 boom. But, you know, I thought that wouldn't be a problem now that it's night. Uh-huh. But I still hear it. I still hear them going around like their little footsteps every second. They're like they're like stomping when they walk. I have no idea what it is, but they've been doing it almost since like December. Like I've just always heard footsteps banging around up there. I don't. It's because they know we have
1: on, a man. podcast and they want to interrupt it. Because that's about they want the, to be on the show. Yeah, that's about the time <laughs> hey, we I started the podcast, though.
0: <laughs> Clout chasers, I get
1: it. I right. Get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll have them as guests Uh, one day And they can tell their side of the story True Uh, (laughs) But in our our first After Hours episode Which is, you know Obviously going to be A a successful spinoff We might have to start a whole new podcast page For uh, Mind Over Movie Nights Yeah Um, Yeah, because this is spinoff material We We just get right into it We don't fart around, we don't do bits We just talk about what we see
1: Boom, Casey, go um uh 1001 movies you must see before you die that's a book that I own. Uh, I haven't read all of it, but there are in fact 1001 movies that I need to see before I you know, enter eternal darkness. So
0: Dude, have you seen any of them though? And more I've, importantly, did you see any of those movies this week?
1: Uh not any of the 1001 movies you need to see before you die probably, but I did I did watch like a film maybe, you know, I might have watched like one <laughs> You tease. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I finished. First off, I finished the little things um, that I was talking about. Oh, right. I forgot that
0: you didn't actually finish it. Yeah. when, uh, When we talked.
1: I mean, there's not much to talk about. I, I just finished it and it was it was fine. It, yeah, it
0: was, your thoughts are still the same.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally, like it was. Re- it really was like just fine. Like I re- I like the very like very end of it. I think it's kind of got like a like a cool ending. Um, but uh, it's just overall, you know, the movie. It's sort of like what was it for, and that's what I was left thinking. Um, yeah. Then I recently watched a another Korean new wave uh, film uh, from. Uh, director uh, Wuk Chan Park. I believe that was uh, Wuk Chan Park. I believe. Yes, it was. Um, uh, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Um, it was the third film. Heard of this. Uh, yeah, it's on the Criterion channel. Um, and it is very, 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 very good. Um, I loved it so much. It's the third film in uh, Chen Wuk Park's. Uh, vengeance like trilogy. He did uh, sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and then he did Old Boy. Uh, and yeah, and, Old Boy. Uh, some good stuff. Yeah, and um, interestingly, uh, he wasn't trying to make. Everybody was asking him when he was going to make his third vengeance movie, and uh, he never had any plans to make a, a, a third movie. He didn't consider it a trilogy, but people were already calling it a trilogy. And he got kind of upset, and he screamed at one of the reporters. Um, you know, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do a third one in 2005. He's like in a couple years. He's like it's coming out the the trilogy. And uh, well, everybody just clung to this, and he felt like a coward for not doing it, and had like this like sort of sense of like honor. Like he had to honor this thing, honor his own words that he said, and not go back on them. So he made sympathy wow. for Lady Vengeance, and it's so different from his other two films um in that in that sort of trilogy but at the same time it's probably like one of the most interesting films i've ever seen it's 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 funny um it's very dark um very violent and very stylish um and actually tugs at the heartstrings a little bit and um (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I know. That,
0: that doesn't sound like any of those things mash. Like. No, but I mean you have
1: to like if it, it's if Wes Anderson and Quentin Tarantino like kind of got together and directed a movie, that's what Sympathy for Lady Vengeance is. What? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm sold. What? <laughs> I know, dude. Okay. Dude, go on get, get on the Criterion channel and and watch this this freaking movie, dude. It is amazing. I absolutely loved it. Um it's so different. I've never seen anything like it before, but Uh, That's why I love Korean cinema. To be honest with you, so that was a great watch. So, that's uh, that's my movie of the week. I didn't really watch anything else. Uh, I've been pretty busy. I was on another film set. So, Um, did you? Yeah, I've been.
0: I've been uh, one to finish a movie I started the other day. Sound of Metal. Um, Mm, Yeah, I've heard that's good. This is a Golden Globe nominee too for Riz Ahmed. He's he's a Best Actor nominee. It's a movie about um, a heavy metal drummer who uh starts going deaf because i mean his his profession he's a is heavy metal banging <laughs> loudly on, yeah he's a heavy metal drummer yeah <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't lend itself to good hearing and so essentially like the movie is about him coming to terms with with uh becoming deaf and like he's learning sign language he, he like his friends um send him to a house where he can like adapt to this new lifestyle and like you know minimal hearing and it's it's super interesting so far and Riz Ahmed I feel has not been like well utilized in like blockbuster movies like he got his start on that HBO show um in the dark of the night or something where he he was playing like an accused wrongfully accused um Muslim uh and a lawyer um who was originally supposed to be Who's Tony Soprano on The Sopranos? Do you know? James Gandolfini. Uh, that was okay, like his passion it. project. Yeah, it's a whole long story, His the start of his career. But, um, you know, I, I feel like Riz Ahmed has been wasted in stuff like Rogue One. He's like hardly in that movie. And then like, you know, the ending of Rogue One happens. And he's not going to come back to the Star Wars franchise. And then I haven't really seen him in anything else. So it, it's really cool to see him in a project like this and, and, and see his like serious acting chops. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to say go watch this movie yet because it seems really interesting now, but I've been burned before recommending a movie to someone and then like watching the second half of it um, if I have to do a two-parter and being like, oh, actually, that's some stupid shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's I, like, need to, I need to catch up on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend it before before the Oscars, because I, I can't say that I give a shit about the Golden Globes.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I can't, yeah. I was thinking about, like, when we recorded this podcast, or when we decided to record it, I was like, should we do this, like, after the Golden Globes? And I was like, mm, nah, because I really don't care that much, and I don't think, you know, Isaac does either, so.
0: Will they have aired after, like, when this yeah, episode it, airs? Yeah, it was, uh, Golden Globes oh.
1: tomorrow, Sunday. Hey guys, I'm just
0: gonna make a prediction right here. Emily and Paris winning best series, like I didn't see it coming
1: either. Like that's <sighs> <crazy. laughs> there's a movie that I think will win. Uh is it flick. music? No. Hell no. I forgot what the list is. I was gonna say Minari, but yes. I was thinking of the Oscars. I think Minari's gonna win the no. Oscars, but
0: Yeah, uh, Minari's on, not we're... even nominated for best picture like it's nominated for best foreign film
1: but yeah no it's not yeah it's uh shoot hold on i got the nominees right here i'm sorry i have to i have to i have to give my no i
0: get it you have to be uh, right
1: yeah i have to be i'm good at
0: predicting oscars i can't say that i have a very good track record predicting golden globes because that's just too too much you know splitting the best picture categories into Right, two yeah, two
1: different to genres. It's so weird, um, but I think best motion, pic- motion picture drama is it's a uh, it's nomad. It's either Nomadland or The Trial of the Chicago Seven. That's that's my pick, uh, or not basically I, my pick. It's my guess about what's gonna win.
0: Yeah, I don't feel like Mank is gonna wit- sweep the awards this year. Like maybe Gary Oldman will win something because you know he he's like very clearly being pushed and i think Mm -hmm. Frances mcdormand is a pretty safe choice to win any best actress category she's in um but yeah tell us how wrong we are on tuesday Mm. (laughs) let's see i i do think that maybe of the drama motion picture category i'm gonna say uh probably trial the chicago seven because aaron Mm -hmm. sorkin's a safe guy to go with Foreign language film, Minari, um, and then best comedy. This category is a mess because I think two of these movies are not movies that people would necessarily say should be critically acclaimed, like music and The Prom. Like that really sets the bar pretty low. And then your third movie in that category is not a movie as much as it is a recording of a play because Hamilton is on there. And then there's Palm Springs, yeah. which I like a lot. And my favorite on this musical or comedy um, list is Borat's subsequent movie film. Cause it's brilliant, but I don't think it's gonna win. So what I think is gonna win is either Hamilton or Palm Springs, but I'm I'm leaning towards Hamilton because like, I don't know. The I I feel like the other options are all pretty weak contenders for yeah. um award season winning you know yeah no. other than music if music wins people will riot I yeah I, that.
1: I will riot that's ridiculous i i think i think also it's just really stupid to have hamilton as a considered in the category for musical or comedy it's a it's a recording of a stage play i yeah. i can't i get I can't, that there was a
0: bare minimum this year but like ugh, what? i still don't <laughs>
1: think yeah i still don't think it that that gives it merit to be considered um for this. It's just uh it's just transposing something to to the screen and it I don't know. I don't I just don't think it I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. I don't think
0: that filming a Broadway play warrants being considered a feature film. Yeah. I mean even though I think that the Hamilton Uh, production is very well shot and I love a lot of the angle like they do attempt to make it a film like you're on stage with the actors at several points there are swooping shots that are cool and it's like stitching very many performances together so there is editing in cinematography that warrants like a film but I don't think that the medium itself can be considered a film I don't know if that sounds pretentious like Oh, filming a stage where people are performing a play is not enough, but I feel like I'm in the right to say this because it is just a Broadway play that they filmed, you know? <laughs> like I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I agree. You, you said what I was trying to say that you know, it it I just it doesn't warrant it essentially. Um, and and you're right. They do try to make you feel like you're there. Like they do, like obviously they had to edit You know the movie, like Mm -hmm. they had to edit these cuts together. I just, it's just the principle of it, uh, of counting it. It it just, it just bugs me. Not that, not that it's bad in any way. Like the Hamilton like movie, uh, or the the filmed version of the play. Not that it's bad or anything. It's just, um, I don't know. The Golden Globes are weird, dude. Uh, (laughs) Maybe the Oscars will also have it on there, but I don't know. I just don't know.
0: Golden Globes are just like the safe white choice usually you know that's that's what they'll go with and i mean i guess they just didn't have enough movies this year so uh hamilton yeah on. yeah, exactly that's <laughs> <laughs> so just the year we're facing yeah um sadly but speaking of like movies movies i guess uh you know on mom after hours we like to just get into things so i mean Shall we talk about our uh, our topic? Shall of we the, of the evening? Shall we? Might bring chills to the viewers ears uh, though. We I think it be careful.
1: I think it will. I think it will. Today we have a very special episode. Today we're talking about a topic that I have wanted to talk about for a while because I love all of these directors. Today we're talking about six, not one, not two, but six directors. And they all have one thing in common. My god. What is it?
0: Uh they are
1: all really pretty. Yes. They are also all men. I'm just kidding. Um actually no they are, but that I mean that is That's not what I'm getting at though. Um today we wanted to talk about um the three uh, or three very prominent horror directors um of old, and three very prominent horror directors of new. Um, and those are Wes Craven, John Carpenter, George A. Romero, God Rest His Soul, and Wes Craven, God Rest His Soul. Uh, and
0: Oh, wow. I forgot they're both
1: dead. Yeah, I know. It's really, uh, it's a bummer. Um, but uh, John Carpenter's Jeez. still kicking. Um.
0: Yeah, somehow. Yeah, He's somehow. composing music, though. He's a I know, a I know. music guy now.
1: That's so cool that he is though. That's really it's really dope. He's um, really freaking good at it. I, mean, I know, dude. Yeah. He's so good at it. But uh and then the three new ones are of course Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, and Robert Eggers. Um, oh,
0: all all really good. Um man, it's it's hard to pick modern directors because they're all so good right now. I mean, like there's yeah. there's Jennifer Kent, the mind behind uh-huh. the Baba Duke and uh oh, yeah, the Nightingale. She's and then yeah. I know you don't like it. I know you don't like it very much but um it follows yeah the guy who did that and um under the silver lake i'm trying to remember his name cuz he, he was just remember. primarily at music now, That's it's so weird gonna, i
1: hate both of those movies um oh. Actually, I don't hate. Really? I don't hate Under the Silver Lake. I think I need to watch it again because it's so you hate freaking it weird.
0: That's how strong you feel
1: about it. I just, I just think it's so. David Robert Mitchell is his name, by the way. Okay, gotcha. David Robert Mitchell. I just think it's like a one-trick pony, and like once you've watched five minutes of it, you don't need to watch the rest of it. Um, that hurts my feelings so much. The, I'm sorry. I'll take an it, L, L on like, it if I have for to. For my
0: favorite horror movie, I. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> We'll talk about these other brilliant people instead.
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, kudos to, to all the people mentioned. And I guess we got a shout out to, uh, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Eli Roth. He does a lot of just gore Ooh. stuff that people seem to love um, a no, lot. People seem
0: to love it. But that's definitely not my thing. It's not mine either. Eli Roth. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Okay. I mean, I mean, we got to give credit um, where credit's
1: due. He did, he did, he did make some waves in, in 2010 in that era in the, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, decade. when I
0: stayed in a hostel, I thought of the feature film Hostel. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. There, so, like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now, um, I picked these three because I think they have some really cool parallels and I, I think they're all geniuses, um, in their own right, um, and uh, I guess we'll start with just the earliest one. I think the first the first one doing it, you know, uh George A. Romero. Um Yes. I would just like to point out that he's the cutest man I've ever seen. I mean he's all glasses and his big ears. Oh my god, I love, I love his him. glasses. They're I know.
0: adorable. It, no, <laughs> I I saw him speak and he's like I don't know what I expected, but George A. Romero is like uh really down-to-earth guy uh-huh. i mean like yeah it's he's not he's not all that sick and twisted or whatever he just, mm, he's just yeah. like a really nice guy that makes gory zombie movies he's like mm-hmm. oh yeah the trolls really like day of the dead but <laughs> that's my personal favorite tool <laughs> he doesn't sound like that that was in no way an impression
1: <laughs> no he's a he seems like a, a, a teddy bear of a, of a man you know like he's he seems like he'd yeah. be scary but he's Really down to earth, and he's super nice, uh, and you can tell just in the interviews just how genuine he is. Um, and he- I
0: think it says a lot about a a person when they when they shoot all their films in their hometown. Like he, if he could, mm, yeah. he would make it a Pittsburgh feature, and he'd get people from Pittsburgh to be in his movies. Like that was apparently a rite of passage in that area. Is if you lived in Pittsburgh, your goal was to be a zombie in a George Romero movie. Like that was just the dream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just Um, always
0: thought that was really cute and great.
1: Yeah. He, um, sorry. I just, I was looking at, (laughs) sorry, I was looking at my computer and then I just zoned out. Um, I was trying to respond to you. I was trying to respond to you though. Um, (laughs) yeah, the shooting in the hometown thing, like, um, in a way I, I feel like he's kind of like a, even though he's, even though it's never kind of, I I view him as a hero of like independent cinema, because if you look Mm. back at his very first one, night of the living dead, um, it, he's so, um, what's the word he does? He does it in the most student filmmaker way possible. Right. But he does something that inspires, you know, countless people, um, he did. He, I believe. I can't. I think it was John Carpenter actually that did that. So never mind. But uh, you know George Romero. I think he was going to film school, and uh, when he made Night of the Living Dead, and my dogs are very mad. I don't...
0: Oh my gosh, they okay. sound angry, dude.
1: Yeah, they're having a good time. Anyway, um, made this film for very, 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 very low budget. Um, shot on really grainy film. Um, mm-hmm. Shot in like basically, maybe two locations, um, again, in his hometown, and, um, just sparked, uh, a whole legion of, of, like, I guess, basically, like, cult fans, you know, like, um, not actual occult fans, but, like, it, it, it I, he, I remember, I think, in an interview, uh, he said that Night of the Living Dead w- was not, like, a huge thing when it came out, um, like, obviously, like, a studio had, had bought it, but, it was it more came became like a cult classic like over over yeah. time, not a whole lot of people because really he didn't make it. any money off
0: of it. No, no, not you, at you all. Know, like yeah, because people would just screen the movie and they they didn't make any money from it. And it wasn't until that's why they remade the movie years later is mm-hmm. the people who wow. made the original. It's supposed to be one of the most successful horror movies and influential horror movies of all time but none of the people involved got to actually like profit from it because of like, yeah. how flimsy the rights to it were and uh, mm-hmm. the the ability to shut down theaters that were showing it without, you know, paying the crew like that's why they made that 1991 was so that people could finally see pay from it like mm, which yeah. it's not a great reason to remake a movie I don't think but <laughs> right yeah i mean, it, there, I, mean I guess the intentions were
1: intentions were pure i guess for the for the crew at least you know <laughs> yeah but um but yeah i mean uh and and one thing that's interesting about night of the living dead um is the race are there are there are sorry i caught, caught, got caught up on my words are the race implications at, racial implications at the end of the yeah. film which was a complete accident you know, yeah he, that, he did he not says
0: that he didn't make a conscious choice casting a black man as yeah the role, he just thought he was the best for the part,
1: exactly, and he said uh he said he thought he was he was the best of their friends that could act really well, and um they thought, well whatever we'll keep him in it's you know, it's kind of hip, you know, they'll be hip it's but it's the sixties, you know, and he's like, i ah, you know it'll be fine, like what are you worried about and then on the way. To uh, uh, some kind of producers' meeting or something to to deliver the it's uh, to deliver a final cut or to screen it for the producers or something like that. I, I believe I recall he's him saying in the car ride on the way there, uh, JFK was assassinated or not JFK? Sorry, MLK was assassinated. Um, oh my gosh! Too many K's getting assassinated
0: throughout the sixty. Right.
1: I mean, <laughs> um, and all of a sudden it was a race thing again, is what he said you know, he hadn't, he hadn't thought about it in that context until, you know, they were on that car drive and he kept reassuring his actor. I I can't remember the guy's name that was the main actor, but he kept reassuring. him like, nah, it'll be fine. Like things are moving forward. It's the sixties, you know, like it's, that's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden this happens. And then that ending scene was all of a sudden, you know, about, about race. And that's so fascinating to me. Um, the the guy's name
0: was Dwayne Jones, by the way.
1: Yeah, Dwayne uh, Jones. Yeah,
0: and he was played by uh, the Candyman in uh in the 1991 uh, Tony Todd. Uh, oh, okay, Tony gotcha. Todd is like got to be one of the best. Like, you know, looks like the original actor. Oh in yeah. <laughs> the cast for this role, like things I've ever seen. Like, in, right? Like, he's he's brilliant. Like, I love Tony Todd in anything he's in. I don't really care for the Candyman movies, but I mean. Love, I, Love I that. Mean, I mean, I got to be honest,
1: I've never even watched a Candyman movie. I, I mean, I know about them. I know, like, what they are and what they're about and such, but I've just never watched one. I need to, though. Aren't they remaking it? Jordan Peele is, like, attached to Yeah, he's, the uh, remake. Yeah, pr- he's I producing. I think. Um, I think Monkey Paw Productions is, is attached to the Candyman remake, I believe.
0: Wow. There you go. Boom. There's. If this were, like, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, this is Six Degrees of.
1: Uh, right. Whatever we're talking about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um <laughs> That's funny. There's parallels, see? Hmm? Poetry see? Um <laughs> But anyway, um yeah, George Romero, super influential, uh, you know, had a had a had a part in the Call of Duty Black Ops zombies uh map, uh Call of the Dead, which is a super cool map and super cool game, by the way. Um mm-hmm. And uh it just he's known as like the godfather of zombies and like he was like oh, I'd never imagined them as zombies. I just called them ghouls. I just thought I was making my own thing up. <laughs> uh, it's so, yeah, and it's I mean, so interesting he, to hear him he
0: talk about it. Like the mythos of what a zombie was was completely different before he, Before him, yeah. He, like yeah. made this. Like, you know, a zombie was like just someone who was enslaved like mentally to someone else. It was like a voodoo thing. And then with this movie, yeah, he, he was just – he thought they were ghouls. I think they even call them ghouls in the movie, and they, and they just eat flesh, and it was something that he made up. And then – Yeah, like, they were, like, yeah. As we forget that this trilogy, though, this – of the Dead trilogy um, – like the rules were just being added as they went on like in yeah in the the second one is when we established that if something bites you in dawn of the dead if a zombie bites you that's when you'll turn so that's when that rule got made up and then he didn't even make up the they eat brains rule that was return of the living dead which is like essentially like a punk horror movie and in that movie, the zombies are indestructible and they eat brains. And now, <laughs> yeah. of course, in our in our current culture, uh, mm-hmm. we've thrown all of that out the windows in, in right. our zombie media. We don't even use the word zombie anymore. We mm-hmm. we come up with something like, "Oh my God, they were running," mm-hmm. so they're runners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they walked at me, so they're walkers. walkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugh. These filthy creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only true. there was a Z word to describe them. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Um, if only I there remember was a pop culture term. Uh, true, I remember uh, there was an interview or like a part of an interview where <laughs> George Merritt was like, "Zombies do not run. If you watch a movie where the zombies run." They're not zombies. He's like, how could they run? Their ankles would break. They're literally just dead corpses. <laughs> and I just laughed, and I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. And he sticks to his own I mythology, I tell you what. But he doesn't give himself enough credit, honestly, I don't think.
0: And, yeah, no, I think, I think that's probably one of the best things about George Romero is that he never really made movies on, like, a huge, like, scale you know like he never went for that big budget feel like one of the one of the stories um about day of the dead which is his favorite of his original trilogy is he he wanted to shoot gone with the wind but with zombies um he had (laughs) a huge yeah that's how he described it (laughs) Um, (laughs) but he had this huge 200 page script there was going to be all these locations all these like special effects and the story was going to like take like three hours maybe even four Mm -hmm. Um, and he brought it to the studio and they were like we would love to fund this but you have to make sure the movie's rated r and he said no way and he ended up working with half the budget bringing down the script um to one location mainly which is a mine shaft Um, and also he could have as much gore and Whatever else he wanted in the movie, and let me tell you, Day of the Dead might be the goriest movie I've ever seen. And <laughs> kind of awesome, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there's okay, the, this might be a little bit graphic for listeners, so I mean, um, skip ahead like 30 seconds if you don't want to hear like a gory death scene, but um, in Day of the Dead, like, here's the level of special effects we're working with. Um, they brought in like rotting pig flesh. So, like, when the zombies would rip someone open, like, it was, like, a pig carcass over them. And in one of the scenes, someone is getting torn apart and their head is being, like, taken back. And as their head is being separated, George Romero thought, oh, the vocal cords would get fucked up. So, you hear, as this guy is dying, his vocal cords are, like, modulating. And, like, the pitch gets higher and higher and higher. And it's, like, the worst sound I've ever heard in any movie. Oh, my God. Like that's the kind of stuff that the man just wanted in his movies like he would yeah. not compromise his vision for anyone and that's that's just something that he kept throughout his whole life you know even though he had the chance to work with a big Hollywood budget he stuck to like his creative vision and I quite frankly think that's pretty metal so yeah <laughs>
1: you know uh, yeah dude I I respect him so much Um and I need to catch up on all of his dead movies. I've only seen, you know, I've seen Night of the Living Dead fully, and I've seen um, most of the what the mall one, where they were in the mall. Um, yeah, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I've seen most of that. Just haven't, I haven't seen it in a while, and just little bits of other ones here and there. But I, I really need to go back and, and just sit down and just watch his entire, you know, filmography because um, he is a is a great director uh, with yeah. a, an amazing vision, and. Uh, you know, rest in peace, George Romero. Made great movies, so.
0: And he, he was constantly evolving, too, you know? Like oh, yeah, definitely. The, yeah, I mean, towards the end, I, I wouldn't say it was well thought out or even that great. <laughs> right, but, I mean, right. He, he ventured into found footage <laughs> yeah, in his, like, later years, which people tend to agree was, like, his worst work. But, I mean, he was trying. Like, the man was always trying to adapt. to, to Definitely. Depth. And, like, his female characters got stronger as the movies went on. He always... Made a point of representation in his movies, like George Romero, Class mm-hmm. Act. Yeah, uh, and he, I think he inspired some of our other Class Acts, even in the older um, generation that we're talking about. Like, I think this might be completely unfounded, but I think Wes Craven and, and John Carpenter owe a lot of their careers to George Romero too. And I mean, I mean, I, get into I wouldn't.
1: I, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I I believe um, you know. George Romero was probably He made the earliest out of all of them But I'm pretty sure um, John Carpenter was next um, Next Mm -hmm. in line to start gaining popularity Especially in the 80s John Carpenter was a director Who I love I admire him a lot um, as well Because he didn't just stick to horror things Um, Yeah He ventured out and did a lot of weird stuff Including one of my one of the most interesting movies i've ever seen uh, escape from uh, new york yes escape from uh, new york rocks it's a fabulous movie and i cannot wait to watch the sequel escape from la which apparently is even more uh, crazy um, and it, it, it's 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 good to note here john carpenter is very informed his his films are very informed by politics um or at least most of them are, especially that mm-hmm. of "They Live" and um, "They Live" the, is escape just like, movies. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's uh, he, "They Live" was uh, was just a, a pro, was a was a product of Carpenter um, being fed up with uh, Reaganomics. Uh, he yeah, eighties excess, all yeah. the rest, like exactly. He hated it, and he was like, he's like the the creatures or the aliens in "They Live" are just like you know like consumers. You know, hardcore capitalist Republicans. <laughs> Those were ex- exact words. He's like, you know, Republicans. <laughs> and uh, I mean, he he.
0: I'm and, I'm I'm not saying that he got the idea from George Romero, but that's why Don of the Dead set in a mall. You know, I mean, yeah. He's comparing yeah. mall shoppers to zombies. Yeah. And dude. then uh, here comes John Carpenter saying the rich are aliens <laughs> and, <laughs> and trying to get you to consume. Um, yeah yeah just saying our boys were were pretty liberal back then
1: oh definitely uh john carpenter staunch staunch democrat dude um, Staunch. but i i that
0: really bad ponytail <laughs> or right had one for a while
1: <laughs> oh the ponytail i'm i don't want to spend too much time on this on talking about this movie in particular from john carpenter but we have to mention it i mean halloween um, yes
0: Well I mean Halloween What what uh, Night of the Living Dead did for like zombies You know Halloween how, yeah. Essentially invented like the modern slasher movie Exactly, exactly. And, and it's probably one of the better examples Of a slasher movie still You know Despite oh, de- everything yeah. that's come after it Like it's probably better than most things In yeah, that man. genre
1: I mean it, it essentially Wrote the The formula for slasher movies like you got everything you need right there in Halloween, um, that has been followed to the T, you know, forever. Um, mm-hmm. With, uh, I mean, we'll come I mean, back. You've got a, the we'll final girl. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of stuff. I, I was about to say we'll come back to it later, but you know, Scream um, it, is essentially just satire of 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 slasher movies and talks about you know the rules of of these films and John Carpenter. Is you know if nothing but the actual Godfather of those rules, um, and he carries mm-hmm. uh, he carries a lot of the same like beats and uh, and um, I I would say uh, I I don't know what it is I, I'd say it's like the same beats also the same aesthetic from Halloween over to his um, nineteen eighty uh, and nineteen eighty two uh, the thing. Um, yeah, which I also love so much, and also just I just want to say Kurt Russell. You know what a man, what an actor. Um, Kurt Russell, Keith David, both yeah. of
0: them amazing. Yeah, um, I I I love also like John Carpenter's just um, use of practical effects. Like always, like the man did not go into computer effects whenever he could. I mean, later on mm-hmm. in his career. He did, but like the thing is a testament to like practical effects being absolutely horrifying to look at. Like, there's that part mm-hmm. where um, the guy, you know, pushes his hands into the stomach, and then there's like teeth and like, oh yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. I, I I can't even describe it. You know, it's
1: just it's a bloody yeah. mess. But it's, my man it, loved him some practical gore. Yeah, right. It's 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 a it's a thing. It's like cosmic horror and. In Cosmic Mm -hmm. Horror, there's like this kind of unwritten rule, or maybe it is a written rule, where you you don't need or you don't really want to show the monster. And then John Carpenter comes along and kind of like tricks this kind of rule of like we never see the thing. We never see what it actually looks like. It's constantly evolving and changing, and sometimes it's an amalgamation of of different things and it looks just like this hideous thing it's it's literally indescribable which is what cosmic horror is supposed to be so while it's indescribable john carpenter's also had to describe it to his <laughs> production designer you know and 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 uh you know the for to make the the creature the different versions of the creature and he said that people didn't like the thing his 1982 uh yeah you know, version of it when it came people, out it was people thought of it was like film. excessive yeah, yeah, yeah. They thought it they were like, Oh, you are not ever supposed to show the monster, you show the monster too much and it's it's just, uh, just well, dumb. And I mean
0: something else too is it's a remake. It's a remake of yeah. a fifties classic and at the, the time people thought that was the superior version. They were like, yeah. the fifties movie is so beloved, it's so good, how could you turn it into this horrible gore fest? You're you're a sick bastard, you know, yeah. essentially Wasn't that.
1: it called the the thing from another world? The yeah the thing version. from another
0: world and yeah fun fact in halloween you can see the thing from another world uh on tv because they're they're watching it together he bought the rights to show it in right. that movie too because john carpenter loved that movie so much um, Right. but yeah i i've got to agree like with the cosmic horror thing i think that john carpenter is probably the best adapter of hp lovecraft's works Without ever apping, actually adapted H.P. Lovecraft, you know, right? Because yeah. he, he he takes all the themes of of like the Cthulhu mythos and just all of those short stories, and he he puts it into film, and it's horrifying. Like I don't think, like, people who are actually adapting H.P. Lovecraft stories, do it as effectively as John Carpenter did it in the eighties. Right. It, it's it, he's really. Um, influence the way that genre happens i mean uh there's there's enter the void from like 2016 that has a lot of carpenter um mm-hmm. influence and then what's that nick cage movie that's absolutely crazy is it mandy yeah is that what it's called yeah Mandy. yeah that's, that's and then like the color of space movie. or something he just yeah did, color out of space yeah
1: yeah i mean nick cage in these lovecraft movies man <laughs> yeah <laughs> That, maybe that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I feel like we got to dedicate a whole episode of the podcast
1: to like, is Nick Cage a good actor? Oh, we will. Or not. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I want to talk about that so bad. I think Nicolas Cage is just one of the wildest human beings and the most interesting. People, it warrants a cage a thon most... at some point. Watch yeah. out for that. Yeah, it's watch like the, the Joker cage-a-thon. episode. It's coming. It's coming. It is coming. It is. Um,. I mean, but yeah, John Carpenter, love him. Um, and speaking of Halloween, speaking of slasher films, let's go ahead and get in to the man, the myth, yeah. legend himself, Wes Craven. Here we go. Yeah. I think that he's probably
0: done the most work on, like, how modern horror movies are because he's done it all. He's done mm-hmm. Nightmare, on, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then he has ventured into horror comedy later on in his career with Scream. Uh and then you know even like before he died he was still producing a lot of horror movies based on his old ips with freddy krueger like the man is an absolute legend and was always evolving with the times and i mean mm-hmm. oddly getting funnier as his uh, as his filmography went on right uh, but i actually have probably seen the least Of his movies out of the directors we're talking about Because I've only seen Scream
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah um, I've seen a couple of his films I remember um, So I've seen Obviously Scream I I started watching Scream 2 recently um, And then I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street Very recently actually Because I'd I'd never seen it fully And uh, Let me tell you They call him the master of horror He is Um, A Nightmare on Elm Street is oddly terrifying For how like kind of campy And just you know kind of Just like that 80's horror film Vibe that you get that it is You know it's Extremely horrifying uh, Especially the first 20 minutes dude (laughs) Um, But then um, He does uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street You know great great slasher film Really freaky um, And then he does Scream and there was actually a uh, – when Scream was first on the market, when it was a script, when it was written, it was – there was a huge bidding war for it uh, over a weekend. Really? Uh, yeah, it was like the hottest script on the market. Everybody wanted it. Well, eventually a studio acquired it. Uh, Miramax um, slash Dimension Films, they got a hold of it. And um, Drew, uh, was it uh, – who was it? Was it Drew – I don't want to say this wrong. Drew Barrymore? Well, yeah, yeah, it was Drew Drew Barrymore was wanting uh, an oh coincidentally her name is Casey in the movie I forgot that but she was attached to the film you know before it even uh, was had a director like she wanted to be in this film really bad and once Miramax got it they basically handed it to Wes Craven um, because the film is basically you know kind of paying tribute to um, to some of the work he did you know in the mm-hmm. you know ten years before or ten fifteen years before and. It is such a good movie. Like, like that script. The script of Scream is so well written. It's so smart and funny, and you know, at at the same time, also like scary. Like, it's I don't know. Scream is is just one of those movies for me that I I love for um, not a huge like not a very specific reason just that it's a, a damn good movie i just love it you know yeah it's just you jump really into it good.
0: and it's just so charming like that that opening yeah. like phone call sequence it's like equal parts funny mm-hmm. and terrifying because you're like this is not going to end well but also i this is great like mm-hmm. this guy is just being an asshole about like horror movie trivia mm-hmm. like wait is this for real like what is this right like even the character in the movie acknowledges it. She's like she thinks it's a joke and then like, oh my god, no, this is real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um horrifying. It's yeah, it's such a it's such a well written script too, you know. It's like a satire, but at the same time it, it wants to be taken seriously, and it is taken seriously. Like it's very easy to you know, it's not um It's so weird because it's it, it's it's in the canon of slasher films. But at the same time, you know, riffing off of those slasher films, not not necessarily making fun of them, but, you know, just making people aware of what happens and then, and then simultaneously doing those same things. And I, it's just I, I find it so fascinating. I could write a I could write a whole 10 page essay on it, dude. I love it. I think it's great. And I think Wes Craven, as a director, um, very influential and his background really informs a lot of the things he does. I think, uh, you know, looking at his um, f- filmography, especially A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, is sort of a-, a religiously charged film. And growing up Baptist, he was never allowed to watch movies. Like, it was. Disney movies were allowed, but oh, that was it. I didn't it. know that. Yeah, he oh saw his he saw his first actual film when he was in college. And he was actually in a Christian college and he had to sneak away to another town to see it. Uh but he went to go see to Kill a Mockingbird and that was when he decided that he was like if this movie is like considered sin, you know, they got it wrong and he left the basically left the church, left this this college to pursue filmmaking. Uh full-time and uh he didn't even mean like people were like is this like your movies like they're horror movies like is that sort of like a rebellion against what you were raised up as and he was like not really he's like i find it weird that i started doing horror he's like i guess i could just write horror so well or um you know do horror uh very well and and i don't know like a nightmare on elm street is, is has some very like religious undertones if you watch it it's very um it's just kind of crazy how he like kind of moves it in even if he doesn't mean to maybe just subconsciously i don't know but they feel very informed by his upbringing and uh, i think that's cool i think it's cool as hell um also just
0: like scary ass concepts coming out of that movie like oh god the the idea of not being able to go to sleep Mm -hmm. that's just that's so scary if you like it's it's one of those ideas where when you're watching the movie you're like oh that seems fine but it's something that would totally keep you awake yeah. at night like afterwards it's like oh god mm-hmm. oh, i need to sleep but what if right. that's where i'm in danger mm-hmm.
1: uh also johnny depp is in that movie that was the very first movie he was ever in yeah it was like literally is that like, introducing johnny depp and i was like wait what um. that's the
0: only scene i really know from that movie is like the bed like opens up and then like all that blood like spurts yeah. out like, oh
1: no johnny depp yeah <laughs> Uh, crazy movie, crazy movie.
0: When Amber Heard finally catches you. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's no! That's a whole controversial thing. I mean, Johnny Depp sucks ass, too, but... Mm-hmm, so yeah. Clarify, but <laughs> just that, This is just...
1: not the podcast to be discussing. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. Whoops. Oh, my God. Well, um, that's a whole episode in and itself, but... Um, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Wes Craven definitely bridges, like, with Scream mm-hmm. to our like modern era of horror. Oh, horror. <laughs> I said <laughs> horror. 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 That's a hard word. It sometimes. is. Horror. I like to say
1: horror. Like horror. 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 <laughs> Witness the horror.
0: But um, we've got we've got three brilliant fine men uh, in our in our modern horror. Uh, section so, mm-hmm. uh, let's hear him let's hear where do you want to start with these guys
1: let's start let's go ahead and start with the one let's go ahead and start with Robert Eggers because his first film the vavitch as people like to call it who I will also shoot you if you say that name in front of me the witch directed the witch yeah I love the Vvitch. I yeah um the witch though I You know, *The Witch* and *The Lighthouse*. Robert Eggers is is a director that is that you can is so easily distinguishable from every other you know kind of like auteur filmmaker out there um, because he does he puts so much research and thought and effort into just writing the screenplay. You know, he has to make it accurate to the time, like he makes it a period piece, and then he has to make it scary or he has to you know, put his his own like themes into it. And I thought when I watched The Witch, I was one, absolutely terrified, but also absolutely just like spellbound by the movie, you know, of how just great Mm -hmm. the filmmaking was, the craft on screen, on display is absolutely Immaculate, and same goes for the Lighthouse. You know, that's one of my favorite movies, like ever. Now, like the Lighthouse is another film that is just so he he nailed the, the he wanted in a certain aesthetic, and he went all the way, like every aspect of that movie is thought out. There's not a single thing in the frame that probably was not you know contemplated. About how it looked, where it needed to be, what time period it was from. They made sure everything was super accurate. And the movie is also just a a terrifying look at two men going insane in a lighthouse, man. That's all the movie is. Like, If somebody asks me what it's about, I'm like, it's literally two men going insane in a lighthouse. Then that's all you need to know. And same thing about the witch. Like, What is the witch about? It's a family going insane during the Salem witch trials in New England. Um, On
0: the outskirts. On the the, outskirts. That's what's so scary about both of these is like you don't really see much of like a threat you know you just see the effect that like isolation has on these people like and that that's the kind of horror i'm i'm into is like just watching characters turn on each other you know the the kubrick really laid the ground for that and the shining and Mm, then definitely robert eggers is just like I, i i think that it's just so much it speaks to his, like, craft that, mm-hmm. you know, you have, like, these people that are speaking authentic, like, uh, 17th century, like, English. Like, yeah. I want to clarify, when I watched The Witch, I was in Panama with my friend, so they didn't have English subtitles. and It was like the movie <laughs> was in another language. It was crazy. Um, but I think it, it says something that, you know, that can be what's on the screen and what you're hearing and you're kind of you're kind of in a different culture like looking in like it's an authentic period piece and yet you're still terrified for them and you still care for the characters yeah and, i mean it's the same with the lighthouses. like i grew to like both of those characters like so much over the course of the movie despite the fact that they're both pretty um odd yeah
1: <laughs> <And> yeah disgusting <laughs>
0: disgusting yes
1: yeah that's the word i'm looking for um yeah dude I, yeah i agree that the the don't
0: watch the lighthouse with your mom by the way that was oh yeah something i had to learn the hard don't way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't watch with mom or dad um i watched with both i mean hey oh really oh damn yeah. <laughs> did you <laughs> and
0: dad was like dad engaged with it mom was like this is the worst movie i've ever seen
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny no, uh, I can't. I couldn't get these these films near my parents. They would, <laughs> they would, they would, not enjoy. They would not engage with it whatsoever. Oh um, my gosh,
0: the witch's criticism of of Christianity wouldn't jive well with your family. What? Oh no,
1: yeah. That, that, um, the what you said though about, um, you know about uh, how Robert Eggers situates his characters. He he he, he's on the spectrum of of. Not even show, don't tell. He's on the spectrum of don't show, don't tell. And it's more horrifying that way. You know? He somehow is um, able to take the idea of the horror and just watch the characters go crazy over the idea of it. And that is somehow, you know, the most intense thing. Um, It's genius, honestly. Like, I, I... I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it like I think I think it's genius the way he writes and directs films especially horror films it's different mm-hmm. it's the it's more different than anything I've ever seen um, which makes him stand out um, absolutely um, so if y'all haven't seen The Witcher uh um, the Witch or the Lighthouse please go watch it The He's Witcher The Witcher the Lighthouse <laughs> sorry The Witch or the Lighthouse My bad um, I was like. Odd
0: time to plug the Netflix original series with Witcher, but I'm here for it, I guess. Like, Henry Cavill's pretty great.
1: <laughs> no, um, he is doing... Um, his next one was going to be called The Northman. Um, and then he's doing... I'm very Nos-
0: interested in
1: that. I am very interested in The Northman, yes. Um, but he's also doing something called another... I think it may be a reboot or maybe his own um, kind of spin on it on Nosferatu. And man i don't care like i just want to watch it i do, like i i i just want to watch these movies like as soon as possible i think i think he's going to do uh great with them um so yeah um there's that um very different horror very different filmmaker from the rest but um yeah let's go ahead and get into the to the next one um which is drumroll please we're going to talk about Ari Aster.
0: Oh my gosh. Another another director with only two films
1: out. Yeah. Just
0: like right.
1: has like, has some like has. uh he has some um short films that are that are kind of they're actually pretty funny. A couple of them are horrifying, but um you know, Yeah, I, films I I saw
0: one are, about the family um I didn't watch it, but I saw a Twitter discourse on it, and, like, the son uh, is, like, raping the dad or something.
1: It sounds horrifying, but, like... Oh, yeah. Well, is it the strange one? thing about the Johnsons? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched that one, um, but that one in Munchausen, uh, those are the two short films that I think kind of inspired, you know, kind of are on the same track as, like, Hereditary and Midsummer. Yeah. Um, I I need to see them. The, I, the short films. I've seen both. Right. <laughs> right, right. No, I um I've seen The Turtle's Head, his short, The Turtle's Head. That's like a funny like kind of satire of like noir. Um but you know, can I just say, you know, I had no idea what Hereditary was. I had saw the trailers and took my friends to see it in theaters thinking that it's just another horror movie it might be good might be bad i knew it was a 24 so i was like you know I, it probably has some merit to it man i had no idea it's like it's like expecting um to be hit with a nerf bullet and then you actually get hit with a baseball going 100 miles an hour um you're you you would die but um I, that's like how I felt in the theater because I didn't know what to do. I was not expecting anything that that movie like did. It it was the most insane film that I saw all year, and my probably my favorite movie, you know, of twenty eighteen, and still one of my yeah. favorite Her- movies of all time. Um.
0: Hereditary is honestly one of the best horror movies I've ever seen, and the mm-hmm. experience was only enhanced by kind of getting some false expectations from the trailer, like. When mm-hmm. you watch that trailer, you think you know what it's about. And then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, my God, my assumptions have actually made this all the more horrifying because characters exactly. I thought might be prominently featured. Uh, apparently will not be.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That was their their stay is not extended. <laughs> I just I I can't remember a movie that had me so shocked. Like hereditary, oh, yeah. like I had to stop watching. I was disturbed. Like I actually did not make it through hereditary because I I didn't have the stomach for it. The first time I started watching it, I had really? to come back to it another time, and I started it over. And I and I got to that part, <laughs> which I don't know if we're trying to spoil these movies or not. So I'm not gonna say what happens, but like yeah, yeah. I got to. That pretty brutal part in Hereditary, and then yeah, I was like, okay, well, I've seen it before, so I'll get through the rest of it, and of course, it's all horrible, but what I love about Hereditary and what I love about Ari Aster's style is that he's more concerned with the drama that that creates in relationships. Like, for the family, that starts breaking them down when... What happens to them happens. And then in Midsummer, you know, it's the focus on like this couple and their relationship and how that affects them. And I love that about his movies because it's infinitely uh, more like disheartening to see characters like fall out with each other, you know, or like to lose it or really. And I think he's such like a... I don't know. He's connected with like human emotions. Like I watched Midsummer and I saw the way like that couple fights and I'm like, oh my God, that's how fights are though. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't yeah. mind if he just devoted a whole movie to a relationship, like no horror mm-hmm. involved. Like that's how good he is. And then on top of that, the horror is good too.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, he's like you said, he's very in tune with, you know, human emotion and human I guess just trauma and, and how different people process that um, hereditary has got a really great theme underlying themes of, you know, mental illness and, and so does Midsummer. and Midsummer's is more of a breakup movie while hereditary is more a grief grieving movie. They, they both have aspects mm-hmm. of, of grief and, and two different characters that are very different that deal with it very differently. And also you have one movie that's sort of like you know night night horror, and the other one's like daytime horror, and, and but they're both have his like style somehow. Like he has a style that is there and absolutely terrifying. Um, unlike you, I could not stop watching Hereditary because I was in the movie theater. All I could do is was, was scream out loud with everybody else. I um I literally there was a couple in front of us, and uh, after it was over, they were like. Well, time to go to church, like let's go. And like I kind of laughed and I was like, yeah, this this film will make you feel very like you're going to hell <laughs> like or that the world is hell, like that you are in hell. like it's just a just a very uh, dark movie, but also beautifully shot and the story is well told. And then mm-hmm. midsummer is another one that you're like. Okay, this is super Oh, and the dark. score
0: in in Hereditary, oh this son is like yes, fucking unrivaled. Holy shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. I in the score Like in go listen to the track too. Reborn. Like, yeah. Oh, in Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the, I that that opening you. mural alone is yes. just like yes. Oh. Like, whoa. His his So his his directorial style is
1: to be amazing at every aspect of his team, i guess, like, <laughs> I like, guess so team. i i yeah i but i i'm i don't know i just can't say enough good things about him like i'm just shocked at how, how how great these these his first two efforts are um mm-hmm. and yeah I, I i love them i think they're great if y'all haven't seen them if you have the stomach for them you know please watch them um they are ab- they will absolutely make you sick to your stomach but they're amazing films and they need to be watched and i hope yeah. that they get criterion releases i really do they're so good you they know, are.
0: I, I literally have not shut up about <laughs> mm. either of these movies since i've sli- since i've seen them and mm-hmm. i you know what this is going to be controversial but i actually do think the more i think about it the more i think i like midsummer just a tad bit more than hereditary mm-hmm. but i don't know I don't know that's no such you're a hard like
1: you're fine because I've heard a lot of people say that and honestly for me it's a hard call for me as well I've seen them both you know the same amount of times and every time I'd be like you know I want to watch this movie again I'll be like wait do I want to watch Hereditary again or do I want to watch Midsummer again I, I think I lean towards Hereditary being the better one but I cannot deny that Midsummer is also just an absolute masterpiece in and of itself I I just think he's amazing Dude, yeah. Great. Great director.
0: And has gotten a lot of praise from our next director, too.
1: Yes. And I saved this next director last because I just feel like we should. We should save the best for last. I'm just kidding. They're all great. But I think this this next director honestly is um, I don't know. I just feel like, uh, you know, he, he gets the final thoughts and that is Jordan Peele. Um, an amazing, amazing man. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say, man. I don't I, know how to I've i loved off. Jordan
0: Peele since Key and Peele. Like yeah, my parents same. and I have watched like the sketches from that show so many times. Um, and you know before Get Out came out, I'm like Jordan Peele is the funniest man ever. Now I think he just might be one of the smartest men ever mm-hmm. because his transition from comedy to horror was like absolutely seamless. Like I remember having my doubts mm-hmm. about Get Out being like a very like interesting or I mean like a very horrific movie. But what I love, 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 love about Jordan Peele is that all to Oh, my God. We only booked two first for the uh for the yeah i know because
1: i i just think that i mean these directors have the greatest twofers out there (laughs) yeah dude they're all great okay but um
0: (laughs) but like with get out and with us you just with both of these movies it's not just about like you know being a horror movie um there's like aspects of comedy there's uh satire And there's uh, always an undertone of like political and and societal commentary in there Mm -hmm. that I think makes anything he does like infinitely more interesting than your average movie. Like Get Out was just so great. And then Us, even though I don't think it's as nearly as good, I think that it's just as interesting Mm -hmm. and wherever he he touches, like I'm going to go see it because... I'm just now so infatuated with, like, his his style and his, his, like, old-timey Rod Serling approach to filmmaking, which is to just, like, tell an interesting story, even if you've got to, like, stretch it a little bit. Yeah, know? yeah. Like, I, I don't think that's so much a problem in Get Out. I do think Us stretches... Some oh, things to get big it, reveals But I don't mind It's like entertaining And that's yeah. the thing that Rod Serling knew When he was making The Twilight Zone Is it's like It doesn't matter if the twist
1: really like Adds up As much as it pays off You know Right yeah I, I, I think us The biggest problem with us Is that it, it stretches its story To fit its theme um, Which Again like you said I'm totally fine with I, I'm a big believer that us Is Um you know, just as good as get out. Like, obviously I love get out a lot more. I just think, you know, I just, I just lie. I'm just gravitated towards get out more. But when I saw us, a lot of people were saying they didn't like it as much as get out. But I was like, I feel the same way about us that I did when I walked out of seeing get out, you know, that I, that it's a, a nut, like a masterpiece. And, um, that Jordan Peele is, is literally going to be the next, you know, uh, memorialized d- director in, in film history. It, it's Get Out is already such an important movie, you know, a- a- and it's it's so telling to me that he can he can write. He wrote this film by himself, and it is so smart. It is so witty, and it is also terrifying probably more terrifying for a certain demographic as he stated in, in a lot of interviews he's like it's a different kind of terrifying if, if you're than if you're white um then you're black he's like if if you're white watch him get out and you notice the terror in that is like oh i've said that before i've definitely said that before <laughs> like yeah um and uh that's sort of like it's like funny but also at the same time he's you're kind of like oh shit you know um and uh
0: well, can i just say it's it's hilarious to me that the conservatives like white conservatives are the people triggered by get out when it's a satire about well-intentioned but ultimately harmful white liberals like mm, that's yeah. what it's going for <laughs> like if you honey if you see something in the racism like uh go ahead and get offended but that movie wasn't <clears throat> supposed to be dunking on you explicitly but right. since you uh since you've went ahead and got triggered
1: i mean go ahead <laughs> <laughs> right it's uh such an interesting movie and again with us you know uh, he um they're very critical movies I, I think they're they're looking at the society we're in now and you know we live in a society um we live in a society and um <laughs> i think us i think us is as is a, a a wonderful you know representation of like class and um that's what i think the movie is about anyway a lot of people have also said it's about race other people say it's about this and this and that but i think it's Dude, about
0: i love that he's not coming out and just saying what it's about like oh hell yeah the, i love that's that. what i love the most about us is that it is a theory breeding mm-hmm. ground like people can just theorize a bunch of stuff like i remember spending a bunch of time on reddit after i saw the movie mm-hmm. and just seeing like people's speculations um and i'm not gonna lie like some of this stuff really convinced me that maybe some events not explicitly shown on screen, like, occurred, like, with the with the brother character, especially. There's some really crazy fan theories I might have to talk to
1: you about. I mean, I'd love to hear episodes them. Over. Hey, let's make a whole episode yeah. called Us Fan Theories, where we just dissect that, us. Dude, we could talk about, like,
0: fan theories, for sure, for a whole episode, mm-hmm. like, how fan theories affect, like... Film. Oh my god, please. Hey, yes. welcome to Mind Over Movies, the <laughs> podcast where we come up with podcast ideas <laughs> while you're listening. While you are listening. Us.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> but, dude, I mean
0: Jordan Peele is just incredible. I mm-hmm. I've loved everything he's done. All these directors, um all these for guys, mm-hmm. they just they write and they direct and they make bangers, like banger after banger. Mhm. Yeah. And and I, I, and I, think, I don't think you can
1: be I know we didn't say it, but we didn't explicitly state it. I just feel like it should be said, though. Jordan Peele being, you know, an African American director and making a movie like Get Out that's that big and that popular and that critically acclaimed is absolutely huge. um, And it's absolutely Mm -hmm. uh, a landmark achievement, you know, in cinema history. I know we've had black directors before, but this is something. He's so unab—he's so you know unabashed about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's—I—I I just, I just think that's great, and um, I look forward. to this I, next I don't movie. get when when people dunk
0: on Jordan Peele or Ryan Coogler because they've become part of the mainstream. I just, you know what? I, I want to punch them because mm-hmm. them being in the mainstream is what's so wonderful about mm-hmm. them. You know, because they finally get to be a voice for for they're a black voice in the mainstream media and they might inspire a whole generation of filmmakers and the fact that their movies are seen by a bunch of people is wonderful something this is something i've always hated you know if something's Mm -hmm. mainstream it doesn't mean it's without merit or value okay exactly just because it's not as hipster and indie as you would like it to be (laughs) yeah take away all of its like inert artistic merit okay it's the freaking
1: hipsters man get over yourself (laughs) (laughs) i agree i agree and 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 if if you
0: think that a movie like get out or um us is like on the nose with the race thing you're like missing the point like people need to be aware of these topics anyway and also i would hardly say that like Get out is on the nose with these things like if you want an on the nose race movie go see Zootopia which also I think is a great movie (laughs) right (laughs) I agree I agree (laughs) and I think I think that being on the nose with the topic of race is great because apparently you can be very blatant about how racism is a problem and people still do not um see that so
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. let's educate yeah Mm -hmm. true um But yeah, I mean, to bring this whole discussion around, I just wanted to, um, I thought it'd be cool to talk about, you know, three or six of these horror directors that were, you know, of their time and how their directing styles are so different and how, how the horror genre was when they were, when they're in the, in their time period that they're making horror, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. Ari Aster and Robert Eggers and Jordan Peele, their movies are great. Um, but they're so different than the other ones. And, and Wes Craven and George Carpenter – or I mean John Carpenter and George Romero, their movies are also great. Um, but they're completely different. And I just think it's so mm-hmm. interesting. They all have their own mythos. They all have their own style. Um, but yet they've all contributed to this this, this genre um, that is ever-changing, ever-evolving. Uh, I think it's one of the most fascinating genres out there besides the Western, which we'll, I'll have yeah. an episode on soon. But Anyway, I
0: I think I think it's safe to say that, like these six people make horror one of my favorite genres, because with with all of them, you never know what their next project is going to be and what they're going to do. And they always like keep to their vision and have a story like not go very predictably. Like, I, I don't think any of the movies we've talked about today that you can predict where they're going and that's just the wonders of the horror genre, you know, anyone mm-hmm. can die, anything can happen, any any statement can be made. Like horror yeah. is 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 something that I think should get a lot more attention than it does. And like of course there's like trashy like we made this for $15,000 and we want to make like a quick buck off of it like blumhouse style. Yeah, which I yeah. mean, Get Out is by Blumhouse and it's amazing so i'm not saying that blumhouse is inherently bad but um right you know there's that kind of horror but horror has always been trying very hard with very little attention compared to like oscar bait movies and i think it's time we get over ourselves and we and we acknowledge it as like one of the most progressive genres there is and one of Mm -hmm. the most important ones too
1: yeah and like if
0: these six directors aren't remembered as like some of the best there were like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, know? that's absolutely insane. Because these are all brilliantly made movies. All the ones mm-hmm. we talked about.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, you said it yourself. I mean, they're masterminds, you know, and they deserve, uh, you know, credit where credit is due, and it is due, and we are giving them credit. I love the horror genre. I think it's probably the you know craziest genre out there. Genre is uh, or, or the horror genre is one of the Um, most interesting genres that you can play with where you can play with themes and and basically talk about you know whatever you want to talk about it's a very interesting um genre and one that should be preserved at all costs um and it should keep evolving Mm -hmm. like it is you know the horror genre has never stayed one thing it's just kept moving and changing ever evolving i love it and uh and yeah dude yeah um Speaking of
0: always evolving and always changing, this podcast mm. is uh, is is changing in the sense that we are um, we're having a little bit of a mix up this week. We're we're doing something special. Casey, would you like to?
1: Yeah, talk about that. I will talk about it. So me and Isaac have uh, maybe uh, come up with a little something something for our viewer, our listeners slash viewers. We have two things in store for you this week. Um, one, we are doing a giveaway, a completely free giveaway. We are giving away three free months of Amazon prime. Uh, and I know we're a movie podcast. Where does Amazon prime fit into this? Well, prime video, or or there's whatever prime streaming channel is. Uh, as long as you have Amazon prime, you get access to that. And that streaming channel has got a lot of great stuff on it. Uh, honestly a a, a, a huge abundance of films and tv shows to watch on there so we're giving away three months of that and we're also giving away uh a free month of the criterion channel um the criterion channel is a little bit more (laughs) i guess highbrow but um they have some great you know film classics on there and some you can just dig through that straight like and just find movies that look interesting to you and i guarantee you Uh, Two out of three of them are like um, that's why I watched uh, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, A Tale of Two Sisters and um, a bunch of other of these films that I've mentioned before that I like that are like foreign films. They got a lot of uh, their foreign film collection is is amazing. It's great. And they uh, very diverse. You know, they have a bunch of they have a whole like several collections of of African-American directors and women directors. And um, it's great. Um, So we're giving away both of those. And if you want to be entered into that giveaway, then all you have to do is you have to be following our Twitter account and our Instagram account, Instagram account that's and at
0: Mind Over Movies too, and yes, on Twitter and at Mind underscore over underscore Movies
1: on Instagram. Yes, thank you. I always forget to actually plug the username, but um, <laughs> you got to plug them. <laughs> I know. Um, and you have to, so you have to be following both of those, and you have to uh, retweet the giveaway post that will be up on our Twitter by the time that this episode drops. So as and long as you, of course, do that, there will be a post there oh, detailing all yeah, this too. Definitely, yeah. Um, so as long as you retweet, you know, that post, and you're following, you know, both of our accounts, uh, you will be automatically entered into the giveaway, and then we will randomly select a winner um, for those prizes. So get get to get to retweeting folks if you want some uh and this is not the only time we'll do this. we want to do more giveaways and stuff. This is just our first foray into the whole thing um and we think it'd be fun,
0: yeah, we love you and we appreciate you supporting yes. us and we wanna do something for you, baby wow. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um also i mean can we can we drop this can we can we announce this uh this other big thing
1: you know? You know, Isaac, I think, we can. I think we can. I think we can go ahead and drop, drop it. Do you, okay. you, you, do you want to introduce this one?
0: Yes. So go, go ahead. you may have remembered a, a couple weeks ago I interviewed Casey about his, uh, his filmmaking uh, career. And I did mention that I was in one of these movies. And so we're very excited to announce that Crimes of Good Intentions is having a trailer drop this week. Uh, I've seen it because I'm special and I'm in it. (laughs) (laughs) And let me just say, it's awesome. You should go check it out and get hype because the the official movie is coming out sometime this March, yeah? Or April?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's going to be hopefully uh, late March. It has the has the I have a specific date on the trailer um that we're we're eyeing that we're thinking it's gonna be out by. So yeah. and um I'm gonna take it a step further actually. Um if you're on YouTube, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the trailer right now for you. You get a first look. Right here live Whoa. on the podcast. Right Dude. here. Yeah. Crazy. Um,
0: right? So stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, you're you're gonna see a trailer YouTube audience. Spotify mm. audience, we love you yeah sorry
1: we'll we'll do a big audio description of it next yeah (laughs) i'm i'm gonna release the trailer uh on youtube as its own entity but uh for the youtube uh you know podcast listeners or for the ones that are on spotify that want to go look it up on youtube you know i we will be dropping the trailer at the end of this episode for you to watch so yeah um it's gonna be great yeah oh my gosh
0: well i'm just so excited i could go rob a bank right now really or a house yeah in fact i've already got my tube sock i've got this uh <laughs> nine millimeter pistol as a matter Ooh, of fact
1: okay
0: um and a, a bag it, comically it has a dollar sign on it so it's actually perfect for robbing houses
1: do you want in um yes is it here in conway like oh, it's a great call? thing
0: you said yes because I am holding your family hostage until you're done with the heist. So, I mean, like,
1: oh, okay. Yeah.
0: It is here in Conway. Um, well, um, and it's yeah, actually your yeah, house. Sure. Okay. If you could hand over your wallet <laughs> uh, okay. and go ahead and start reading those first 16 digits on your debit card right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just, anything to see my family again. Just please, please don't read it. Yeah, hurt yeah, that. yeah. I'll get it out right now. Okay, okay. okay. so
0: everyone listen. Okay. Listen for these digits right now. All right. Here. Casey's going to start reading them. We're going to hear them for real. All
1: right. All right. It, it's uh, 8023 7451 6 6